You may take your Bibles, if you will, turn to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. And we're going to start in verse number 19 and read down to verse number 24. Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 through 24. Um, I'll read the odd verses. You'll read the even verses. We'll start in verse number 19, reading responsibly, pausing any punctuation. Exodus 14, 19 through 24. And let's begin. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them. But it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued, and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning, watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. And let's pray. God, we thank you so much um, for this service time that you've given us. Uh, Lord, the the freedom that we have here in America to assemble and to open God's Word and, uh, Lord, to be able to hear it preached and, Lord, to be able to interact with one another and, uh, Lord, the fellowship that we've gained, the encouragement that we've already gained from one another. Help us, Lord, now as we hear the preaching. Would you keep the distractions away? Help us, Lord, to stay focused on what you want us to hear tonight. We ask you, bless our pastor, fill him with your spirit and power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your Bibles open to Exodus 14. We're going to come back to it in a moment. Let me catch you up on where we are in the, in the Bible story-wise. And I use the word story. It's actually uh, real events. God is delivering the Hebrews out of Egypt. Now, let me say this. I've been saying it a lot lately, but uh, I think we have to understand something. God promised to bless the Hebrew people as a nation, not the Jews as a religion. God was not delivering Jews, he was delivering the Hebrew people. Does that make sense to everybody? Uh, That's like saying, well, God delivered the Baptists. No, God delivered America. There's a big difference. And there's a big difference between the Hebrews and the Jews. The Hebrews are the race of people. God promised Abraham to be a race, not a religion. So God is delivering the Hebrews out of Egypt. They've spent almost 500 years away from Canaan. They've been in Egypt. You have to understand, they've not been home to the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for almost 500 years. And they're finally ready to go back. And they've moved, they moved there during the famine when Jacob moved there and Joseph had been delivered into Egypt because he was sold by his brothers, remember? Then there was famine in the land and Jacob sent his older sons to go buy corn and food in Egypt to bring it home. If you remember that story, that's how long the, Jew, the Hebrews have been in Egypt since the time of Joseph. 
These Hebrews have seen God do ten plagues upon the Egyptians. Then they do not... uh, You have to understand, not a one of these people have ever been to the promised land. These Hebrews have not been in their homeland, listen to this, in twice as long as America has been a nation. That's a long time. You see, (laughs) they're excited, but they're a bit afraid. They've been in bondage. They've been enslaved, so to speak, to the Egyptians. Now, after ten plagues, they're leaving Egypt. And again, the Bible says that they went up into the wilderness. Uh, The word up there does not mean they went north. The word up means elevation. Egypt sits at the base of the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River runs into it. Guess what? That means it's coming from up from the south. The water moves from south to north, not north to south. They're in Egypt. They are leaving Egypt. They're going south, and they're going to cross the Red Sea. Oh, I know. Some Dr. Fatbottom, mess them up, Bible scholar, said, well, that doesn't mean Red Sea, it means Reed Sea. It was ankle-deep water. Well, the bigger miracle was that all the Egyptian army drowned in ankle-deep water. Uh, Dr. Fatbottom needs to get his head uh, screwed on right and read the Bible and say what God said. There's no doubt that God was at work with the plagues of Egypt. Only the Egyptians were affected not the Hebrews. They were, matter of fact, God even said, look, I'll give you the wealth of Egypt. When, when Pharaoh does let you go, go uh, tell your Egyptian neighbors and things, look, we're going to go worship our God. We need the best of things to worship him. Would you help us? Because we have nothing. And they gave them of their most expensive things, their gold, their, their valuables. They gave everything that they had to these Hebrews. The death angel came and they said, look, get out of town. We don't want anything. Just get out of here. So they actually spoiled the land and took their wealth with them. Now, they get to the Red Sea, and they got a problem. By the time they get there, they turn behind, and they see the dust kicking up from the Egyptian army because Pharaoh said, why did we let them all go? And please don't take this the wrong way, but Hollywood never gets it right. Charlton Heston didn't have a group of a few hundred people leaving Egypt. There was somewhere in the ballpark of three and a half to five million people. That is everybody in the Baltimore, D.C. metroplex from here to Baltimore to D.C. and every every county in between. That's the city of Chicago. That's a lot of people. And it's not just the people. It's all their camels, all their horses, all of their uh, donkeys, all their sheep, all of their possessions. Uh, imagine U-Haul trucks backed up for five million people. It's a pretty big crowd. Not only that, they have to cross this Red Sea. And they look at the army behind them. They see the Red Sea before them. And it's somewhere between 20 and 30 miles across the Red Sea. And they don't have a boat big enough for that many people. You're not going to put three and a half to five million people in a 14-foot John boat, amen? 
now, <laughs> you would need massive ships to be able to move that many people, and you could not do it through the night. God, when they left Egypt, as they were leaving, God provided a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That cloud by day was not only to lead them, but it was also air conditioning in the desert. It was shade. And he allowed his people to be able to move, and it's a pretty big cloud to cover three and a half to five million people. But at nighttime, if you've ever been in the desert, even in the summertime, it could be 110, 120 during the day, and it'll drop down to 60 degrees at night. And 60 degrees at night when you're sleeping in a tent and it's been 120 during the day, it gets cold. If you're at any elevation at all, you can have frost every night of the summer. It can get down in the 30s at night. It gets cold fast and it gets hot fast. But it gets cold. So God gave them this pillar of fire to keep them warm at night. Now, here's what I want you to see. They get to the Red Sea. They have the army from Egypt pressing behind them, and they say, Moses, you brought us out to kill us. We'd have been better off. To... It's amazing how the Hebrews complained about everything. They did. Oh, you brought us out here to die in the wilderness. No, God didn't put Egypt through ten plagues to take you out there to let you die in the wilderness. If you just trust God, God will take care of the rest. Just keep moving and shut your mouth. And Moses gets to the edge and he said, okay, God, now what? And he said, Moses, I want you to hold out your rod. I want you to take your staff, the one that you used with Pharaoh. By this time, he's calling it now, hold the rod of God. He said, hold it over the water and watch what I can do. And as he did, the water went. Whoosh. And it stood up on heaps on the left and the right. Now, I hate to tell you something. A channel of water, the width of our building, it would have taken days for three to five million people to walk through. That wall of water went miles in both directions. But God did something supernatural, Brother Anthony. The Bible says that that pillar of cloud came down. And God put the darkness facing Egypt. And he put the light facing the, Egypt, uh, the Hebrew people. And he caused an east wind to come. You have to understand, they're coming from the west facing the Red Sea on the east. That cloud comes down and comes behind the Hebrews and it's dark on the side of the Egyptians and light and fire on this side. God caused that east wind to come off of the Arabian desert. Dry, hot air. Come across that bed of the Red Sea. Pick up the heat from that pillar of fire and come back around like a giant convection oven all night long drying out that land that had never been dry before and by morning he said get moving 
three and a half to five million people step out and start walking. They see the water piled up at both sides. Now, I don't know about you. I've been in some spots. I've been crawling in caves underground. Did you ever get, go into an underground mine? I've been a mile and a half underground thinking, I hope all that holds up. If I hear one crack, it's all over. They'll never find you. And I can imagine them feeling much the same way. Lord, if you don't hold that back, we in trouble. It's going to be ugly. And they crossed over on dry ground. But the Egyptians were held back by that dark cloud. It was still black. Do you remember just weeks before then they had gone through a plague of darkness? They were afraid to move. It was so dark. But after so long they said, we hear them moving. We've got to press through the darkness. And as they did, they got to the light on the other side and all the, all the Hebrews were crossing the Red Sea. Remember, it's a 20 to 30 mile walk. It's a full day's journey across. You walk 20 miles in a day, you're walked out. Some of you couldn't walk two miles, let alone 20. Now watch this. The Egyptians come through that cloud finally. And they said, we got to chase them. And as they're going out there, the Bible says that God caused the wheels on their chariots to come off. And the horses were then pulling chariots, just skidding on the dirt. And they said, uh-oh. Apparently their God's not real happy. And just as the last one gets across, they see the dust coming up through the bottom of the Red Sea. And Moses says, okay, God, now what? He said, take your rod. And he held his rod up and God caused that water to close down upon the entire Egyptian army and killed them all, including the Pharaoh. The Bible says that the, the impact of that was so powerful that all the horses, all the chariots, all the soldiers, they were killed, drowned. The bodies washed up on both sides of the Red Sea so that the Hebrews could see that they were all dead and so could the Egyptians. Now, wait a minute. Here's the sermon. What was darkness to one was light to another. God was going to keep the enemy afraid in the dark while the Hebrews had light. What was light to God's people was total darkness to the world. Well, I hold in my hand the truth of God. And it is light to those who read it, but it's darkness to the world. They don't understand it. Oh, it's just too hard to understand. <laughs> it's because you don't know the author. You see, <laughs> the world sees truth as darkness because they're blind. Oh, we have to accept all the alphabet soup crowded. We have to accept, uh, don't judge me. Just because I disagree doesn't mean I'm judging. I'm just telling you what truth is. 
I'm not asking you to change what you are. I'm just asking you to listen to truth and let you make the changes yourself. You see, the, the world sees truth as darkness because they're on the wrong side of the cloud. Liberalism sees truth as darkness because they want to be God and they're on the wrong side of the cloud. You see, you don't have to live in the dark. Get on the right side of the cloud. Just like if you've ever taken off in an airplane on a cloudy, rainy day. I've done it many a times. It's nasty and cold and miserable, you know, kind of like the day we had yesterday. If you had taken off in an airplane, you get, get up over those clouds. It's bright and sunny and beautiful up above. Say, how's that possible? Same way it was in Egypt. God took the cloud and turned it sideways, and it was light on one side and dark on the other. It's possible. Let me give you a few thoughts, and we'll go to the house. Number one, the cloud led God's people, but it stopped the world. The cloud was there to lead God's people, but it stopped the world. Go back to Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. Exodus thirteen twenty one, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them in the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light and to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Huh? God said, I'm going to give it to you to lead you, to guide you and to help you. It was a help. To God's people. It was a hindrance to the world. It was a hindrance to the Egyptians. And God kept this pillar of cloud and pillar by a fire before them continually. By the way, it lasted 40 years. It was originally only going to lead them to get them across, to get them into Canaan. But when they disobeyed, God didn't say, okay, I'm going to take it away and you just make it on your own. He said, no, I'll lead you still, but you're going to spend 40 years out here. Say, why did they go that route? (laughs) Because the Hebrews were afraid of the Philistines. Philistia is called the Gaza Strip today. What is happening in Israel right now with Hamas and in the Gaza Strip is the very reason God did not bring them the shorter route right along the the edge of the Mediterranean Sea because the Hebrews were afraid of the Philistines. And he said, because of that, I'll move you south, I'll move you around, I'll guide you there so you don't have to go through that and face that fight first. We'll, We'll start farther up and you'll build up your strength and I'll have you push them out later. Everybody doing okay? God used what he led his people What he used to lead his people, he used to stop the world. We read in chapter 14, verse number 19, And the angel of God which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them. The pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud of darkness to them, but gave light and night to these so that the one came not near the other. You see, 
it always amazes me how God uses the church or the Bible to help us, but it stops the world. Let me just say right here. That's why the church isn't supposed to look like, act like, sound like, or be like the world. God said, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. doesn't mean that we don't go to work in the world. doesn't mean we're unkind to people. We're not some cult. Oh, I've been accused of that for 43 years of preaching. Oh, you're a cult leader. You don't have enough sense to even know what a cult is. We don't serve Kool-Aid. <laughs> now you're telling your age, Brother Scott. <laughs> uh-huh. But can I tell you something? That's why churches that look like, act like, and sound like the world aren't doing much for the world. They really aren't. Say, well, they're feeding a lot of people. They're feeding a lot of people that are going to die and go to hell because they're not giving them the truth. Uh, When the world refuses to listen to truth, that's not my fault. I'll give the truth, whether you accept it or not, that's between you and God, not between you and me. And it's not, I, I have the obligation to give you what the truth is. I'm tired of a bunch of pussyfoot and maybe pamby lace wearing on their underwear preachers that are afraid of the truth. Everybody doing okay? There was a day when preachers did preach the truth. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. They didn't walk around, dance around, and look like Liberace. Uh, no, Randy's a man, and thank God for a real man. Now, he wears weird socks, but we won't go there. So do you, the guy that criticized Randy. Yeah, buddy, yeah. Now, wait a minute. Just because people refuse to listen to the truth is not God's fault. They refuse to believe because they don't want to change. They want to be their own God. Isn't it amazing? Every man did that which was right in his own eyes, according to the book of Judges. In Genesis chapter 3, when the first sin took place, Satan tempted Adam and Eve and said, Look, uh, God didn't mean what he said. If you'll eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then the day thou eatest, you could be like God, knowing good and evil for yourself. You could be your own God. And isn't that the way it is today? Religion, I I get sick up to here with religion. Religion is man telling God how God must accept man. No, we're to take the truth of the word of God and we're to preach the word of God and thus saith the Lord and obey the word of God. It's not a matter of tradition. It's not a matter of what some preacher says or a priest or a pope or a guy with a half a million dollar grapefruit on his head. I don't care if he wears a dress and they call him El Papa and he looks like El Mama. It matters not to me. You say, preacher, I don't think you ought to say that. Then don't say it. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you what a heretic is right up front. Amen. When he can say he can forgive your sins and he can speak ex cathedra, he's taking the place of God and he's an antichrist according to scripture. First John chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Amen. Everybody doing okay? By the way, God didn't strike me with lightning. <gasps> When somebody has to bow down and kiss their ring or kiss their toe, if I got that close, I wouldn't kiss it. I'd bite it off. 
You see, we lift ourselves up in our own traditions and say, God, look what we're doing. And God says, you can't do anything. You're a sinner and you have no righteousness of your own. And you get saved by the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not by your righteousness. Well, we could pray through Mary and she's the mother of God and Jesus would have to listen to his mother. You just elevated Mary above God. The miracle of the virgin birth, by the way, when the Catholic Church talks about the, uh, the, the immaculate conception, they're not talking about Jesus, they're talking about Mary, not Jesus. The miracle of a virgin birth is not the virgin, it's the Father. Since God's the Father, by the way, many women were virgins, there's only one Father that could father through a virgin. God. The miracle was not Mary. The miracle was God. Let's give God the praise for it, not Mary. Everybody doing okay? That's why I get tired of religion. You say, well, you pastor a church. Yes, a Baptist church. An independent Baptist church. Who baptized Jesus? John the what? That was not his last name. Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Well, who baptized him into the church? John the? It was a Baptist church. Amen. You say, well, preacher, that sounds so trite and so easy. Well, you're the one that messed it up, not God. Don't try to complicate the Bible. It's pretty simple. You see... (laughs) Look how lost family members and friends drop you after you get saved and start living for God. Did you ever notice? I've said this often. You don't have to worry about separating from the wrong crowd. They'll separate from you. Man, you go to an airport and pop your Bible open. Watch how many people get up and leave. Man, I get every seat I want. (laughs) You all think I'm kidding. I'm not. Man, I can... uh, I can go to the gas station or something and go in to get a cup of coffee and start singing a hymn or start saying praise the Lord or something and uh, pass out a gospel track and watch everybody. <laughs> I was down sheets months ago, one morning early, about four thirty-five o'clock. I'm in there singing gospel hymns. I was humming Amazing Grace. The guy said, what you so happy about? I said, because I'm saved, sanctified, on my way to heaven. I, I'd love for you to go with me someday. He said, get out of here. Nobody should be that happy. I said, you would be if you got Jesus in your life. I said, if you knew what I know, you'd be as happy as I am. He said, what do you do? He grumbled and went off. That's his problem, not mine. I was happy. I didn't let him ruin my day. I ruined his. Our greatest defense against the world is living spiritually. You know what your greatest defense is at home? Living right. Boys and girls, you want to have less troubles in life? Then just live right. Obey the Bible. That means you obey your parents. That means you obey Brother Lopez in junior church. That means you obey your Sunday school teachers. That means you obey at school. That means you obey authority. Well, I want to be the authority. You wait till you're old enough to be the authority. And then if you've followed authority well, maybe you will be one day. But you're not supposed to lead the home. Mom and dad are. Everybody doing okay? Here we go. 
that means this. We're, 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 our greatest, our greatest defense is living spiritually with our Christian school here at the church. I'm not going to drop the standards of education and, and, in, and I'm not going to drop spirituality for education. You can't truly educate till you educate mind, body, and spirit. The world's only educating physically, not mentally and not spiritually. I just read last week uh, the numbers. The SAT scores last year, state of West Virginia, were 39 for the public school system. Our SAT school scores for our school was 67. We doubled what the public school system did, and that was our first year. Hang on. We're only going up from there. Can I tell you something? They don't know anything about educating like I do. They, they don't even have the truth. They can't even tell you which bathroom to use. They had put litter pans out for people to think they're dogs and cats. God have mercy. I learned before I went to kindergarten there were boys and girls. And there was nothing in between. And by the time I was five years old going to kindergarten, I knew which bathroom to go to. There was no question. Everybody doing all right? God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Uh, so, uh, we're, we're, we're supposed to live right with our entertainment. We're supposed to live spiritually at work, at school. You say, well, I don't go to the Christian school. I go to public school. You can live spiritually at public school. Take your Bible there. Put it on your desk every day. I did. Everybody doing all right? Come on now. I did it at work. I'd read my Bible on breaks. In the, in the, in, uh, every Friday night, uh, our co-workers allowed me to stand up and give the gospel and, and help encourage them. Every Friday night in, in, at lunch break. Oh, by the way, 20-some years later, 30 years later, when we were building this building, the owner of the company... A man named Stuart McMillan gave us $165,000 to help us build this building. Stood right here, flew in his own $3.5 million plane, had a whole crew of people with him, came here, stood behind this pulpit to say how much he loved this church. I guess it was worth standing. Guess it was okay, wasn't it? Number two. So we said number one. The cloud led God's people, but stopped the world. Number two, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night carried God's people through the Red Sea. But it buried the world under the Red Sea. Not only did it stop the world, but it buried them. What took the Hebrews through the Red Sea destroyed the world. The enemy. Look at uh, chapter 14, verse 24. We read verse 24, but I'm going to read a few more verses with you here quickly. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. And they took off their chariot wheels and they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. 
And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea. And the sea returned to its strength. When the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, there remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry ground in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Sometimes we just have to step out by faith trusting what God's going to do. Don't you think after ten plagues, opening up the Red Sea, walking through the middle of the ocean virtually on dry ground with a wall of water on this side and a wall of water on that side for three and a half to five million people. And you get, don't you think if God went through all that, he's going to take care of you? (laughs) I didn't want to get on radio. God said the time. As I was shaking hands this morning, a man walked out of our church and said, God touched my heart, preacher. Put an envelope in a, uh, put a check in one of the envelopes. I have no idea how much it is, but I have a sneaking suspicion. Much of the first year, if not the whole first year, the radio is already paid for. I'll be honest with you. I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to spend the money. But look what God did. If we'll just obey, look what God can do. You see, the world tries to get God's results their way. Can I tell you something? When you try things that God does, but you don't do it God's way, it doesn't work. <laughs> I'm going to make a statement here. I'm not a mechanic. No comments. Uh, my dishwasher broke. I'm real good at calling 1-800-BROTHER-SCOTT. Amen? Doesn't bother me a bit. Something else breaks, it's 1-800-MEL-BUSH. If one of those two can't fix it, it's buy a new one. Plain and simple. If it's electrical, what 800 Brother Joe, amen? Uh, I ain't touching it. Colorblind people don't play with wires. I don't even buy it at the store. I hate touching them things even at the store and they're not connected to anything. Wait a minute. I have enough sense if I tell my dad I'm going to work on something. When you hear this, you think you ought to do it that way, son? That means... You're fixing to really mess up. That means I wouldn't do it that way. I remember asking Brother Hiles a question. I worked for him and I said, Preacher, how, how, how should I do this? Uh, and he said, well, I think you know, I said, no, 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 no. I said, let me rephrase that. How would you do it? Oh, I'm an old grizzled veteran. I'm set in my ways. He said, I think you ought to. I said, wait a minute. I want to know how you would do it. Oh, you don't have to do it. I said, I didn't ask that. I want to know how you would do it. He told me how he thought I should do it. Then he told me how he would do it. And I went and did it how he would do it. 
He came back to me. He said, you didn't have to do it that way. I said, it worked for you. Might as well work for me. Doesn't bother me to do it the old way. When my printer breaks, I throw it away and get a new one. Amen? I don't have a computer. I don't have a printer. Say so you don't? Nope, I'm doing quite fine without it. Manufacturing God's results ends up the way of man, not the way of God. The key word to manufacture is man. You can't manufacture God's results. You can't manufacture God's success. You can't do it man's way and come out right. That's why these churches appealing to man's ways aren't doing much for God. They're trying to manufacture spirituality and you cannot do it. You must do it God's way. I can't script this. I had no idea. But we have visitors tonight who came because some of our people put gospel tracks at a gas station on a gas pump. And you're not alone. You're one of about a dozen in the last three or four months, just so you know. Uh, and may I say something? That's Godufacturing, not manufacturing. You see, we try to manufacture it and we're, we're trying to barometer it God's way or man's way. Well, you, you didn't have as many people in church. No, but what we had sure was having fun and had a good time and got taught the word of God. Had a full altar this morning. Guess God did okay. During COVID, the bank called. Do you want to take a loan? We can give it to you. It's a COVID loan. You can get all kinds of money. Probably end up not having to pay it back. You say, what'd you do, preacher? Told them to take their money and give it to somebody else. Didn't want it. I was going to live by faith and let God take care of the bills. And we're a couple months ahead on the mortgage. I guess if you do it God's way, it works better. Religion is man trying to do God's work man's way. That's all religion is, man trying to do God's work, man's way. It turns people away from God. How many people do I meet that say, I was forced to go to church as a kid. I'm tired of all that phony. I'm tired of the fakes. I'm tired of this. I, I am too. Yeah, we're not going to do it man's way. We're going to do it God's way. Come find out it works real well. You see, it's all based on man and not God. That's the problem with religion. Feelings, traditions, man's works can't compare to being saved and allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work through us. Does not compare. Number three, and I'll finish quickly. And I, give me three minutes. Christians groping in the darkness are on the wrong side of the cloud. I, I just don't like church anymore. I don't like this 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 God stuff. Well, that's because you're on the wrong side of the cloud. You're trying to be like Egypt. You're going to Egypt thinking that God's going to give you the same thing that he did in Egypt that he gave you in the promised land, and it doesn't work that way. God did not remove the Egyptians from chasing the Hebrews at first. I, I got saved and I've been in church preacher and all these problems are happening. I thought if I got saved, all my problems would be gone. Did you realize they killed Christ? 
You really thought all your problems would go away just because some guy on the television told you so? Oh, just trust Jesus and all your problems go away. God never promised that. He said, I'll go through those problems with you and I will help you. But he didn't say he was going to take all your problems away. You're still a sinner just like the rest of us. (laughs) He didn't. He didn't take the problem away till they got across the Red Sea. God used the miracle of deliverance for the Hebrews to be the destruction of the Egyptians. Our deliverance will destroy the devil. Please listen to this very carefully. Many of, some of you work in places where there's evil, evil people, evil things happening. And evil counts on good people to say, I'm tired of this and I'm going to quit. Keep on going and be the destruction of evil. So many times we give up and we're the only hope that the world has in that area. Keep on going. But it gets tiring. No kidding. Try pastoring a church. You got to get through the problem first. And God's deliverance will be the destruction of the world. Amen. We, we give up one, one hammer strike too soon in the gold mine. God allowed the problem to get very close to the Hebrews, but he still protected them. Sometimes you're going to feel it breathing down your neck. Man, I've been in so many battles. Uh, I've had people call me recently and say, I'm in a battle. (laughs) It's only on Facebook or something. I don't even have it. People saying bad things. They've been saying bad things about me for a long time. Just add it to the list. Say, preacher, I can't believe. Don't worry about it. Don't get on. Don't try to investigate it. Let stupid people be stupid. I don't worry about it. Say, preacher, are you afraid? Yeah, can you tell? How do you overcome it? Keep doing good. God says overcome evil with good, not by running away from it. He said go do good. And the more good you do, the more evil will fall. See, God allowed the problem to get very close to the Hebrews, but he still protected them. The enemy may and probably will pursue, but God will give you victory if you do it his way. Jesus at Calvary. The devil did all he could to destroy Jesus. I love this. The devil got the religious people to kill Jesus. The high priests. The Jews. Not the Hebrews. The Jews. To kill him. Now watch this. He's hanging there on a cross. For nine hours. He then cries out with a loud voice. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? He gave up the ghost. The devil didn't kill him. Jesus gave his life. And for three days and three nights, hell was having a party. Ha, look what we did. We conquered Jesus. But Sunday was coming. They laughed all night Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. 
but Sunday morning came. By the way, Jesus was crucified on a Wednesday, not on a Friday. You don't get three days and three nights from Friday to Sunday. Catholics can't count. (laughs) Sunday morning came. And that old earth shook and the stone rolled away and the old devil said, uh-oh. And I love the verse in the Bible. The Bible says that of Satan, had he known it, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The biggest sucker punch in history was Jesus with the devil. Jesus allowed the devil to get him to Calvary so that he could fulfill the gospel for you and me. Oh, there's a resurrection coming. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and served him and Moses. Maybe we just ought to obey God. Say, but preacher, I'm afraid. Just trust me. I've been down this road a long time. It's okay. Say, but preacher, somebody might call me a fanatic. Have you ever watched a football game? They have people being beaten up and killed at football games over disagreeing as fans. And they want to call me a fanatic? Nobody got beat up and killed in our parking lot. You see, we're so afraid of what the world says, they ought to be afraid of what God says. Let's not let the dark cloud from God scare us. It's there for our deliverance. Let's not crawl across it to be finding out what the world's doing. Let's live in the light, not the darkness. How about we follow the right side of the cloud, not the wrong side? 